Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm part of the teaching team here at Rainier View, and we're excited to begin a brand new series today called Discipleship, looking at an everyday spirituality for everyone. No matter where you are at with faith in your life, uh, whether you've been following Jesus for years or whether you're not sure the role that faith plays in your life, uh, really there's going to be something for everybody in this series. Uh, following along in the series, we're going to explore several core practices, sometimes we call them rhythms here, that any and all of us can engage with to experience a greater everyday spirituality in our lives. And this message is going to be like a overview of a landscape. If you're flying over and you're seeing the big picture of something, this message is going to be a lot like that. So uh, we encourage you to grab the notes that go along with this message and follow along as we jump in and we dive in and we see these practices because we want you to see the whole picture. We want you to see how all the parts fit together so that you can experience a greater sense of spirituality in your life. We're going to kind of demystify that word a little bit for you and see how we can all take steps of growth. And so you, if you haven't yet, go ahead and sign up for our All Church email uh, because we're going to send out some links to some prior series that dive into some of the practices, some of these rhythms that we talk about in a deeper way. Um, we're we're going to link those uh, in, the, in the email as well as get you the notes that way. So sign up for that if you're catching this message live. Um, but really thinking about this series, it got me thinking about, I have a 16-year-old son, and so I recently taught him how to drive, right? And so he's passed his driver test, he's an excellent driver, and so we're, we're just so stoked about that, thrilled about that. But um, one of the things, right, starting out, we all kind of start learning to drive or teaching uh, you know, somebody to drive very, in a very similar way. Like on one of our physical campuses, we have people all the time teaching someone to drive by just doing very slow loops around the parking lot, right? So I started out with my son Carter the same way, right? No acceleration, we're just letting the vehicle roll and just getting the feel of the vehicle. And then we introduce a little bit of gas, a little bit of acceleration with the quick, you know, ready to say, hey, put your foot on the brake, right? Uh, and then we work up to driving around a neighborhood, right? And finding a nice you know, neighborhood with broad streets so that you can kind of slowly move through there. And as he gets more comfortable driving in a neighborhood, we work our way out to a main street, right? But with a right-hand turn back into the neighborhood, easy. And so, right, there's a progression to teaching, uh, teaching him how to drive that I went through to work up to those skills, to not overwhelm and uh, you know, flood him with too much information all at once or just think, oh, he's got it. He's going to figure it out on his own. No. It's introducing the right skills, the right disciplines to learn how to drive and then be able to put those all together. Um, and so really, if, if we just, you know, kind of, again, let him figure it out on his own, what would ensue? A crash would take place. If I just tried to give him everything at once, it would have been so overwhelming, he would have been paralyzed, right? Uh, and so there's all sorts of tools, right? I love the fact that uh, there's so many helps. One of the helps uh, is whoever the genius is who created the uh, please be patient student driver magnet that you can just throw on the back of your car. Like, I think this should be considered for a Nobel Peace Prize, right? This just helps you learn how to drive on the road with all the craziness so much easier, just alerting somebody, right? Hey, I'm, I'm figuring this out. 
but the story of teaching my son how to drive really, it parallels a lot, I believe, in the way that we talk about, as pastors and churches, how to grow in our faith, how to, how to pursue spirituality, and as we call it here, discipleship, okay? But far too often, I think we just kind of say, hey, here's the keys, you got it, go. Uh, you can figure out how to read your Bible on your own, pray, be in community with Christians, share your faith, find a way to serve, you've got it, go ahead. Um, you know, and we make these assumptions that we're just gonna be able to figure it out uh, on our own without being connected to anybody in real life or without some clear instructions of where to begin and, and how do I take my next step of faith. Or uh, maybe we've, because we've never taken the time to learn from somebody else this, this process of living out our spiritual life, this process of, as we say here, discipleship, um, you've just created your own rules for driving your faith, so to speak. You just kind of put together what you think the, the Bible says and the, what you think, uh, you know, the way, the way faith should go. Uh, it's not that we can't learn from others, but if we just kind of homebrew our own version of, of Christianity and spirituality, man, uh, the results are going to leave us wanting at some level. You know, and think about it, right? If you just, you, if you Google, you know, try and find a YouTube clip of like, how should I read my Bible? How should I pray? Um, spirituality, right? You're going to get a whole world of things, some helpful, a lot not. Um, you know, your crazy Uncle Larry might have some things on his YouTube channel that are not going to be helpful for you to figure out how to live out your spirituality in an everyday way. Um, you know, think about back to driving, right? If you watch a YouTube video about how to be a race car driver, that is not going to help you drive around your your city and your neighborhood. Now, some of you are trying to do that, and we would encourage you to please stop. Please stop treating your neighborhood like a racetrack, okay? Nobody needs that. Um, look out for others. Uh, but at RVCC, right, we want you to, to learn, how do I begin this process of experiencing growth in my spiritual life? How do I, how do I live out a spirituality in my everyday world. And so it begins with what Jesus tells us uh, and what he says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. One of the, the Gospels are the life and teachings of Jesus. And what we read there gives us the foundation for discipleship. In Matthew 28, verse 18, we read this. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Making disciples, what that means is helping other people learn to follow in the way of Jesus, to grow and to participate in that. This is what discipleship really is all about. Uh, but as I said, Sometimes we are just left to figure out what that means on our own or we read our own meaning into that, into that kind of term discipleship. And so it's one of my pet peeves when we do one of two things. We make discipleship unattainable for the vast majority of us or we make it super ambiguous, right? So think about unattainable, right? Sometimes you read about following Jesus and, and growing your faith and it's like, well, first you have to start your day with 30 minutes of silence, and then get your journal and journal for another 30 minutes and see what the Lord has for you. And then, and then read your three or four chapters a day and then be part of these five groups, right? And it's a little bit hyperbolic, right? But 
to the point, sometimes the, the vision that we present or we hear about what discipleship is, man, it is so unattainable in our daily lives that many of us just, we give up. The other problem I see is that we make it so vague and ambiguous, right? We, we talk about uh, discipleship kind of like this, like, well, you just, you just wait on and hear from the Lord and do what he says, duh. Uh, like I picked up this uh, or heard this phrase when I was, when I lived uh, in Virginia, this Southern phrase, bless your heart. Like just, just listen for the Lord and do what he says, bless your heart, which is a Southern way that I learned uh, to call you stupid. But anyways, uh, yeah, we make it, we make it so either unattainable or so vague that I believe so many of us, we don't even try to live out an everyday spirituality. We don't even try to engage with this process of discipleship. But here's the good news. For millennia, people of faith in our faith tradition have held to a set of practices, a set of rhythms that have helped them see that God is truly real and what he wants for us in our lives. And so we have models to put into practice and we can put into practice those actions in our own lives today as well. Because here's the thing, we don't need quicker. We don't need easier in our life. We need to engage with a core set of rhythms, of practices that are truly going to help us live out, walk this path of discipleship to experience an everyday spirituality. And that's really what, that's really what it boils down to, what discipleship is. It's following in the way of Jesus. What's interesting in the book of Acts in the Bible, uh, that the, the, the term, the name that Christians were referred to first was not Christians. They're actually referred to as followers of the way, okay? So sorry, the Mandalorian did not invent, this is the way. Uh, that followers of Jesus, that first, that first century, that first uh, generation of them, they were known as followers of the way. There was a set of practices, a, a way of living life that defined them, okay? And this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is the pathway to pursuing an everyday spirituality. It doesn't require an advanced degree it doesn't require five hours of your day. It doesn't require all these things that sometimes we think uh, it, it takes to, to understand what the Bible is inviting us to do, okay? Uh, discipleship is a spirituality that Jesus offers for anyone and everyone who would follow in the, the way of life that he lays out for us. And so all it takes is the desire to get started, and so this morning, what we're going to do is, again, we're going to give you that big overview. We're going, to, we're going to look at several core practices so that you can see the big picture. We don't want you to get overwhelmed by trying to do it all. All we want you to do this morning is to see how all these pieces fit and how it can be attainable for us to live out this discipleship in our everyday lives. And so let's take the first one. The first practice, the first rhythm that we need to engage with is daily engage with God's Word. We need to learn to daily engage with God's word. And Jesus models this for us, okay? In, in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew in chapter four, we see Jesus being tempted, but we see how he relies upon the strength of how he had daily engaged with God's word as Satan wants to take Jesus' focus off of what is spiritual and onto simply what is physical. Let's see how Jesus responds. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Now, Jesus is quoting directly from another part of God's word that we call the Old Testament, or what Jesus would have referred to, uh, known as the Jewish scriptures, the book of Deuteronomy. We read this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And here's the thing, the story of God's people prior to Jesus was largely one of failing to be able to do what God invited them to do. And that was kind of the point where God's people were in in large part, they had moments of faithfulness marked by a lot of unfaithfulness and fulfilling this. Jesus fulfills completely. Now you're thinking, okay, I thought we were talking about uh, discipleship for an everyday spirituality. Like I don't have time to go to the desert for 40 days. Like I have to figure out how to get dinner on the table for my kids. I got to figure out how to be a responsible adult and hold down a job. I've got to figure out how I'm going to navigate, you know, this next year of college in front of me. Uh, and so what, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I need to go find a desert to practice following the way of Jesus? Uh, no, we don't have to do that. But what we do need to do is we need to daily engage with God's word. That's the practice that, that we need to all hold in common and be the same, our situations, our circumstances, our environments, where God takes us is going to be different, but the practice is going to be the same, right? Just like none of us would go an entire day without eating. uh, Some of us won't even go a day without, you know, missing one meal, okay? Uh, We need to take in God's word daily. So how does this work in our everyday lives to see spirituality become more real? Uh, It begins by deciding when and where you're going to engage with God's word daily, okay? Uh, And I'm using engage intentionally versus read, because too often we hear read God's word, we think that's a a read through the Bible and a year plan, and that you must read three or four chapters of the Bible a day. And again, that just simply is overwhelming to many of us. It's too much content. We don't understand it, and then therefore we give up, okay? And so again, engaging with God's word might look like reading just a paragraph, but really thinking about what it has to say to us. Uh, It might look like reading a passage several times. Daily engaging with God's word might look like working to memorize a verse one day in our week, okay? But here's the thing, like if you're you're reading the book of Zephaniah out of the, the Old Testament and it is making no sense to you, but you just feel like you're supposed to do it, it is completely okay for you to go and read another book of the Bible that you do understand that is speaking to you. Okay, because why? We want this to work in our everyday lives. And so the most important place to start is start by picking out a set place and time that you are going to engage with God's word. And then how long should you try that out for? I'm gonna suggest 40 days because it seems like a really great biblical number. So first, first practice, first rhythm is to daily engage with God's word. The second one is to pray daily, is to pray daily. And so as, as I began talking about this practice, I would encourage you, really the heart of prayer is learning how to communicate to God in a way that is natural and authentic for us. Like you're not trying to impress anyone, okay? You're simply seeking to share your heart and your thoughts with the God of the universe. 
That's what it's about. And so you don't have to worry about impressing others with your words. Uh, and in fact, Jesus says you really shouldn't uh, think about what other people think when it comes to prayer. Think, uh, see what he speaks here in another one of the Gospels. Jesus says this about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And when you talk with God, it doesn't matter how you speak, okay? You can, you can speak your prayers out loud, like hopefully not in the supermarket aisle, okay? You can say them silently in your mind. You can write them out. It doesn't matter. But let me give you a simple collection of just five simple things to include in your daily prayer time. And hopefully this will help you feel like you can engage with this practice with a little bit more confidence, okay? So first of all, begin, begin with silence. Start with silence. Why? Just taking two or three minutes. And I encourage you to set your timer for it because it's, it's a lot longer than it seems when you're just sitting in silence. But we have so many distractions that take our focus off of God and focus off of pursuing a spiritual life that we need to create some space to distance ourselves from that. Uh, Rich Velotis writes this about the distractions we face. He writes, the inner and outer distractions minimize the capacity for us to see God's activity around us and within us. And so discipleship, when it comes to prayer, is not about emptying our minds. It's about setting aside the distraction so that we can cut through the noise that constantly is swirling around us and that we allow to continue to go on and on. So start your prayer time with a bit of silence. Then move on and you can say what you're grateful for. Say what you're grateful to God for, both what he's done and who he is. Beginning with gratefulness is going to shift and change uh, your ability to lean into and practice this, uh, this rhythm of prayer daily in your life. Uh, but after you say what you're grateful for, um, go ahead and share what you currently either feel shame over in your life right now or where you are experiencing fear or anxiety. And if you're like, I don't experience shame, fear, or anxiety, um, then just go ahead and, and talk with God about what you're angry about because that's what's touching those things, okay? Uh, but share those things. Why? Uh, because we need to share what's going on in our lives, just like we would with a close friend and a good friend, that we share what's going on in our life. We do the same with God. And that will lead us to, uh, again, the next thing that we can incorporate in our daily prayer time is to admit to God when you've done wrong when you've chosen your way over God's way, okay? The biblical words for this are repent and confess. But really all that means is admitting to God when we've kind of chosen our own way and not his way. But then when we admit that, we can bask in the forgiveness that is offered to us in Jesus, okay? And then lastly, the last thing that we can include in prayer, and remember on your hand here, is then, then ask God for what you want to see him do in your life and the lives of others, I think by putting that at the end, it just helps make sure that what we ask for is in line with what God would want for us uh, more often. And so praying like this is part of the daily discipline, the daily core rhythm that will lead you into an everyday spirituality. But it's not enough to just wish it would happen. It's not enough to just hope that like, well, one day I'm just going to add it in. 
No, you've got to be convinced that if God truly guided and comforted you, that your life would become so different than what you're currently experiencing now with the pressure and the weight and the, and the stress and the anxiety that prayer would make a massive difference in all of that. Or if you stopped engaging with this rhythm, that your life would begin to unravel. If that's how we view prayer, we're going to lean into this core practice. And so one related rhythm to take seriously uh, with kind of prayer is really the, the power of sin and even the power uh, of spiritual forces in the unseen world, how, how they kind of can impact our lives. And that often we experience, uh, we're trapped in some scripts of shame and fear in our lives. And so we need to regularly examine our lives to break free, to break out of those patterns that we can fall into. Because part of living out an everyday spirituality, this process of learning to walk in the pathway of discipleship, is that knowing that we have access to new life. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians, where we read this in chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Now, in the Christian tradition, breaking free from the power of sin in our lives, um, there are a lot of words that have been used to describe that. I talked about confession and repentance. Uh, an old, older word is mortification of sin. Sometimes some Christian traditions describe it as interior examination to see those things going on. But really what's going on here is this is all about living a surrendered life as the prerequisite to experiencing freedom from shame and sin and fear in our lives. And so that is the third discipline, the, the third habit and practice that we want to encourage you to engage with is to daily surrender our lives. We need to daily surrender our lives. What do I mean by that? I mean having a, not a tight grip on what I want to do, so that God has to pry those things out of my hand, but I have an open posture, an open grip on my hopes and my dreams and my desires, my fears, and what I might do with my life. And I have an open enough grip to allow God through, through his Holy Spirit to speak to where I'm at right now and help point me to how I can be more like Jesus in my life and be more obedient to where it is that God wants to lead me in my life. Because here's what Jesus says in Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And so the Bible speaks to this desire to experience freedom over, over our struggle with sin and shame, uh, that when we get, we get stuck in those places, that when we desire to just run from what God wants for us, that God draws us back. But the way that happens is through this daily commitment to surrender our lives to the control of God. And so that's really recognizing just where sin and shame and fear live in our lives and then breaking those cycles of sin and shame to experience greater freedom in Jesus and exploring that alongside other people with whom we're in community. And so how do we do this though? Okay, back to like, okay, but how does this work in my everyday life? Let me give you one simple action that you can take. When you're struggling with knowing what to do, knowing God's will, or even wanting to do uh, what we read here, right? And really following fully. Okay, just simply do this. Open, open up your hands, palms facing up in an open posture, and just pray a quick, simple prayer. Something like this. God, today I'm surrendering my life to following in the way of Jesus 
following this pathway of discipleship. Help me to listen well to how your spirit is leading me. Okay? There's nothing magical about this, but there's something about when our bodies match the intentions of our heart and our mind, it helps it click and connect for us. Okay? And so now all of these work together. Okay? Let me give you an example. Just like I've got here this stool, right? And there's four legs on this stool. Uh, and so now we've got more than four legs for our core disciplines, but again, just work with me, okay? Uh, but here's the deal. We've got this stool, uh, and these, these disciplines really are about uh, being able to support and sustain us, right? Every leg is doing its work. So just like the discipline of daily prayer, how it's connected to this discipline of daily surrender, they all work together to be able to sustain, to sustain and support us. So now all of these rhythms, these practices of living out an everyday spirituality, walking this pathway of discipleship, they're all like legs on a stool. They all work to support one another. Just like the daily practice of prayer is different from, but is interconnected to the daily practice of surrendering our lives. Okay? And so they all work together. We can't experience the freedom and the growth and the new life and living out in everyday spirituality without incorporating all of these practices in some way, shape, or form or level in our lives. And so I just love the interconnection to this, and I love what D.L. Moody said, an uh, evangelist from about 100 years ago. He says this, Either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. So we see the connection with daily engaging with God's Word and how it helps us to daily surrender our lives. Um, but the next practice I want to talk about for practicing in everyday spirituality, walking the pathway of discipleship, is that we need to celebrate weekly. We need to celebrate weekly. Okay? We need to gather with others who are participating in this process of discipleship and gather together as much as possible weekly to celebrate that. Because in everyday spirituality, I'm sorry, you can't just learn it on TikTok, okay? It is not the same as learning to cook rice or sew a button or even ask somebody out on a first date. This needs to be lived out in, in relationship, in community with other people. Okay, uh, And so that can happen in virtual spaces, that can happen in physical spaces, but the practice needs to be consistent that we gather to celebrate weekly. But why do we need to do that? Why do we need to just be together weekly? Well, we need to do that because God instructed us, he, he created us to need a rhythm where we pause once a week to consider together who he is and to rest from everything that we're doing. And so we can't be frustrated with a lack of spiritual growth in our lives and bemoan that when we don't engage with this practice of celebrating together weekly. Uh, and so as we show up together, by the way, that's how we bring our gifts uh, to the table, so to speak. And we have the best chance of blessing others when we have our community together and we're all using what God has given us to help reach others because we're inviting them in to experience this process of discipleship, living out in everyday spirituality. And that really speaks to another aspect uh, of, again, growing in this, in this everyday spirituality and what discipleship looks like and means. Uh, another rhythm, practice that we need to engage with is sacrificial generosity. Now, I know, trust me, that people got baggage when it comes to church and money, okay? But let's back up to what Jesus has to say about uh, about our relationship with money and sacrificial giving and that we can't escape. He says this in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, hear me. This isn't to say that not worrying is easy. No, that's not the point of the passage. But the point is that Jesus is making is that we cannot continue to worship the false gods of security and comfort and believe that money is the pathway to get us there and be able to truly experience an everyday spirituality if that's where our mindset is and that's how we view money. Uh, consider another part of God's word, again, in 2 Corinthians, what it has to say about this habit, this uh, rhythm of sacrificial generosity. Read in 2 Corinthians 9, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Author Randy Alcorn uh, writes about how our financial giving is really the only way to break the hold that materialism can have over our hearts. And that that hold that materialism has over our hearts often can be a roadblock to experiencing an everyday spirituality. It's a roadblock in our pathway of discipleship. And so this is what he writes. He says, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and it exalts him. Now, the Bible gives us a target to aim for in our giving, kind of this pattern we see called tithing. Tithing is a word that represents a tenth part, so 10%. Now, again, some of you are like, I could never work up to giving 10%, and so I'm not even going to try. No, it's all about, again, the passage we looked at, deciding where you are going to begin. But don't view, don't view tithing as like the ceiling, the pinnacle to, to work up to. Instead, view it as the first floor that you're, work, that you're taking steps up to uh, and then going from there above and beyond to be even more generous as God allows you to, okay? But don't view it as a, as a final destination, but view it, again, as something to work our way towards. And we're not called to be generous just with our finances. We also are called to be wildly generous with our time and our abilities, which leads to the next uh, rhythm and discipline that we know we need to engage with uh, is to serve our communities, okay? And that starts both within our church community itself, but then it works its way out into the communities around us. At Rainier View, we want to be a church that shows up for our cities, and that's integral with being, being people who look to serve, okay? But here's the thing that we need to remember. The engine that drives consistent, millennia-long care for communities, uh, for groups of people as they gather, is the presence of a local church. Because in, in a local church, people are gathering around the person of Jesus and learning to follow this pathway of discipleship. And when we do, we, we again, learn what it looks like to practice sacrificing our priorities, sacrificing our privileges even, for the benefit and the good of others. Why? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Look with me at Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And then lastly, lastly, we need to be reminded that life is not about us. Life is not about you. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, But living out of these practices, as we've seen, there's one final one that I want to give us, and it's really learning to bless others. From, from cover to cover, over and over again, there's this theme that God wants us to engage with is to bless others. And today we bless others by sharing our faith and inviting others to belong, okay? And that's a practice that can be scary and super intimidating for so many of us. And we get that, we understand that. Um, and so we've talked before about a simple acronym that we've borrowed uh, you know, from, from another church and another Christian author, but it just gives us some really easy handholds to begin with. And so it's a simple acronym, BLESS. Okay, if you want to be a blessing to your neighbor, literal neighbor, person who lives next to you or on your floor, a teammate, a coworker, a classmate, the people that we come in contact with, what does it look like to bless our neighbors? Well, first, begin with prayer. Begin praying for opportunities to be a blessing to them. And when you're in relationship with them, listen. Begin with listening to their heart and what's going on in their life. Look for E a way to eat together. We are designed to share food together as human beings. Uh, Then S, look to serve. How can you show up and serve your neighbor well? And then lastly, you will have the opportunity to share your story, to share the story of how faith has made a difference in your life and walking this pathway of discipleship, how it's helped you live out an everyday discipleship. Okay. Now, again, as we said, there is a lot to take in in this series, uh, this message that we just looked at. And we're going to be breaking this down in the series as we go forward in the next several weeks. But today, what we want you to do is simply begin, before you go to sleep tonight, begin by taking the self-evaluation that's on these notes of just each of these disciplines, each of these areas, each of these rhythms, and just rank yourself how you're doing with them. And then just pick one. Pick one rhythm to begin leaning into this fall. And, and really dive in and say, I want to make progress. I want to figure out how I can live this out in my everyday life, because that's what discipleship really is all about. It's learning to follow in the way of Jesus in our everyday life, and we believe it's achievable for anyone and everyone who wants to do it. Thank you for joining us, and we'll hope to see you back here next week. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at RainierViewCC and find out more about us at RainierView.org.